Welcome to The Nudge with Kia Eileen, the podcast for inspiration and insight into the beauty that can open up for you when you follow that push from the universe. If you're ready to step up and out on purpose, then this is the podcast for you. I want to thank you for joining me, for listening. I'm so glad that you're here because I believe that now is the moment for you to reach for that version of you that you've always wanted to be. To follow the path you may have detoured from years ago, but which still calls to you. And to finally say yes to that urge you've been trying to ignore. If you're here, trust it was the nudge that led you. Each podcast is designed to cover a particular area of growth from a leading expert in their field. And it is my intention that you leave feeling inspired and expanded. This week, my guest is Hannah Borobaby, and we will be discussing the juicy topic of sensual embodiment and how a deeper connection with the body can lead to more fulfillment in life and love. Hannah is a sensual alchemist and new earth activist whose passion draws from a deep connection with the natural world and all things magic. As a writer, environmental protectress, and earth magic practitioner, Hannah's spiritual path is rooted in conscious sexuality and sacred embodiment. Hannah's mission is to help individuals connect with their essential nature by initiating and activating the sacred body temple, unlocking primal energy, and grounding it in earth. Today, you will learn what sensual embodiment is, why it's important to honor this energy, and some actionable steps that you can do today to form a more meaningful connection to you. Hannah and I met earlier this year when she toured the UK, and I was able to attend one of her workshops. I was blown away by her wisdom, warmth, and quiet but palpable power. In my own work, I know how important it is to develop a relationship with what I term the feeling brains, the heart and the belly, or the womb space. I wanted to share Hannah's work and mission because I believe that honoring your sensual and sexual power opens the gateway to the center of creation within you. So grab a cup of something delicious and join us as we follow the nudge, because you never know where it may lead. Hello, and welcome to The Nudge with Kia Eileen. Today, I am joined by Hannah Borobaby. Hannah is a sensual alchemist and new earth activist, and I am so, so excited to have her with me today. You are in for a treat. Uh, Hannah is filled with wisdom and magic, and I've been, as I've mentioned, I've been really fortunate to have experienced um, her magic and her wisdom, and I really was excited about sharing that with you today. So, so welcome, Hannah. Mm, thank you so much, Kia. It's such a pleasure to get to be here and to share magic with you. Ah, oh, this is going to be gorgeous. I just know it. Um, and so for those of you out there who have uh, listened to episodes of The Nudge before, you will know that I start out with taking three deep breaths into the heart uh, with my guests to bring us both into heart resonance and to settle us into the space. So Hannah, I'd love to invite you to breathe with me. So, mm. Mm, so just getting yourself comfortable and then taking a deep breath down into the heart. Oh, that's lovely, beautiful. And a deep breath down from the heart into the belly. Mm, beautiful. And one more deep breath into the heart, the belly, all the way around to the back. So lovely. Oh, we are now firmly rooted in this space. That is so nice. And if you've been mm -hmm. listening along with us and you got to do that breathing with us, hopefully you will feel 
uh, the energy that is that is now sort of flowing and popping. Um, so um, yes, yeah, so Hannah, welcome, welcome, welcome to the nudge. It's a huge pleasure to have you here. Um, and so as mm. I <laughs> and so as I mentioned before, um, you are a sensual alchemist and new earth activist and a lot of your work mm. or the principal part of your work is really around sensuality and sexuality and and sort of the the claiming of that space and so mm. you know for those who are unfamiliar with your work how would you how would you define or describe sensual embodiment Mm, it's a beautiful, beautiful question. Mm. And I think first, you know, let's break it down. First, we're really talking about sensuality, mm-hmm. which to me is different than sexuality. Mm-hmm. To me, sensuality is so much about this experience of being in our bodies and allowing ourselves to really experience sensation through our five senses and through our additional senses of intuition or clairvoyance, claircognizance. And so there's this understanding that, you know, we are spiritual beings, but we're having this embodied experience because that is how spirit gets to experience being alive in the 3D realm and creating in the 3D realm. Mm. So sensuality is about learning how to really key in with the subtle sensations and with this full experience of being in our bodies. And so that's also what I mean by embodiment. Embodiment is about allowing our consciousness to really be fully present in our bodies. And, you know, I think that especially given the way that technology has gone in our modern reality um, and also the reality of trauma that many of us experience on an individual and collective level, mm-hmm. the act of actually being fully present in our bodies in the given moment from moment to moment uh, is a challenge. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's a muscle that doesn't really get as much attention and exercise as it really needs. And yet the present moment is where we create, right? The present moment is where our body is. And so sensual embodiment is this practice of being fully present in our bodies, of bridging the gap between our spirit and our bodies so that we can maximize our creative potential within the current moment right? We all know that what we focus on, that's where our attention goes and where our attention goes. That's where our energy flows and that's what we create. So if we're stuck in the past or we're visioning too far into the future, we're not really embracing the present moment. And Mm. really this moment, this is why our spirits chose to be here and dance this dance of earthly embodiment with everything that that entails, both pleasure and pain. Wow. 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 Oh, what an incredible answer. And, you know, so you're right. So much about that is about the now, you know, being here in the now, in your body now and experiencing the world through our senses right now. And I love how you express that. You know, this is, this is where we create in the now, in this moment, in our bodies as spiritual beings in our bodies. We create in this moment, in the here and now. So what happens? What happens in your experience when we are disconnected from our bodies or disconnected from our senses? What happens as a result in your experience? Well, there are a couple of things that happen. Um, You know, I think that there is an element of depression and Mm. disease and pain and illness that comes as a result of living chronically disconnected from our bodies. Uh, And it's because our bodies are trying to get our attention uh, around what's going on in our inner world. And if we are not continually cultivating a relationship and a sense of communication with our body, then our bodies are going to find ways um, to make us be still, to make us ground in, to make us pay attention. And so I would say that embodiment is one of the primary ways to actually build our immunity and continue to um, 
you know, to, to harness and cultivate the vitality that keeps us well, that keeps us young, that keeps us active and actually able to move and flow more, um, you know, and really prolonging our, our creative capacity in that regard. Uh, the other thing that I see happens quite a lot is um, that anxiety mm-hmm. happens, mm-hmm. stress happens, um, holding on to grudges and stories from the past, or uh, really focusing on concern for the future, uh, you know, that really takes us out of our capacity to just enjoy the sunshine on our skin or the, you know, gentle breeze as it through our hair, those simple joys get lost because we aren't really present with what's happening in the moment. Mm. And it also means that um, our relationships suffer because so much of relationships are about presence, right? Mm. It's what is the quality of experience when I am sharing time and space and attention and energy with another being. And so if I'm all caught up in what happened yesterday, or if I'm all concerned about what's happening, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow or, Mm. you know, classifying it or labeling, what is this? um, Then I really lose the joy of connection and the magic of what is possible in the given moment. And this is where I would say this practice really translates over into sexuality. Mm -hmm. You know, so many of us have this idea of what passion looks like or this idea of of what um, sexuality should look like. And, you know, we see this through the education that we receive and, um, you know, just the pornographic marketing and so on and our culture that's so much based on image. Mm-hmm. And so it moves us away from this sense of sensation. It moves us away from this awareness of connection and what it actually means to join breath. You know, yes. you and I joined breath at the beginning yes. and the field, the energetic field that cre- that gets created when we are fully present and allow mm. that attunement to happen. Yes. And, um, you know, that, such, such great points there. And, and I love that, you know, you touched on, you know, the, the act of what the body is communicating, you know, the body is trying to get your attention, um, you know, and, you know, holding those, those heavy emotions and can actually change the physical composition of ourselves, of our organs, if we're not processing those emotions. And, mm. you know, when, when it crosses over to sexuality, you know, are people afraid of that? Are people afraid of pleasure? Well, I would say that yes and no. I, I would say that um, a lot of us just don't really trust our bodies. A lot of us just don't really trust our pleasure because our experiences and our conditioning around pleasure has been so shamed or tied up with, um, with confusing messages. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is an element of, um, of us actually fearing pleasure because of the pain, whether it's emotional, psychological, or physical, that actually is, um, is related to it, right? There's always that feeling that if we're experiencing something really joyful, something's going to come away the other and come along and take it away or, mm-hmm. um, the other shoe is going to drop. And so we don't trust it. There's this sense of like, okay, well, I am not actually safe to experience pleasure because if I do something terrible, it's going to happen. So it's probably better for me to just not go there at all. Yeah. In a way it's like the higher the highs, the lower the the lows. And, you know, that's true. It's the nature of duality. It's the nature of hilarity. The more you love something, the more it hurts if it goes away. And so I think so much of this practice of embodiment is actually about allowing ourselves to feel the pain because the extent to which we allow ourselves to feel pain is the extent to which we allow ourselves to feel pleasure. Mm. And so much of the journey of embodiment is about learning how to ride the waves of intensity with a degree of presence and grace. Presence and so grace. Not, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, it's, so we know that everything is per- impermanent, right? We know that everything is going to go away at some point. So how can we be really present and allow ourselves to take pleasure in the joy of what is, even especially if what is feels intense and feels yeah. challenging? 
you know, and this is applicable to what's happening with this pandemic on the planet right now. We are all collectively in a moment of tremendous intensity. Yeah. So how can we lean into that? And how can we allow ourselves to really fully, you know, presence ourselves with the joys of what's happening, you know, that to balance out the the pain of what's happening as well. Yes, yes. Right. And so, yes, we are in this, this moment of incredible intensity and it feels, it feels intense in some ways and it feels almost like a pausing in other ways, a deep pausing of everything, of the, the sort of pace of life that we were going on. And it feels like it's giving us the opportunity to sort of sit and reflect and to come out of distraction and more into the present moment is that has that been your experience as well well it's interesting i would say i've gone through different ways with it waves mm. with it so mm. The first wave that I went through, I actually galvanized into action. I was sitting on a number of um, like committees with herbalists trying to figure out how we could get immune-boosting herbs to uh, communities of uh, less privilege mm -hmm. and education around immune-boosting uh, herbal remedies and you know technologies i was also connecting with a group of healers and offering virtual offerings i was doing process calls process group calls that were just free opportunities for people to to talk about the intensity of what's going on in their worlds and how they're being impacted by everything to ask questions and share resources so i would say when uh you know when the pandemic really first hit I, like I said, I was galvanized into action. Mm. And then what happened is I burnt out. I burnt mm -hmm. out really quickly because mm. I was avoiding actually mm -hmm. looking at and going into my own fears and my mm -hmm. own uncertainties around it all. And so it was this opportunity for my body and my spirit to be like, all right, girl, <laughs> we're going to make it so that you can't do anything until you take the time to go in here and deal with some of this mess. That's and right. what I tapped into was ancestral trauma. I tapped into different timelines and um, all of these scripts around, you know, my fear of what mm -hmm. this meant, not even just for my body in terms of, you know, fear of getting sick, yeah. but also what it meant for us collectively as a society, what direction we were heading in. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, fear of entering into other timelines where really challenging uh, outcomes, mm -hmm. you know, that, that we were heading towards really challenging outcomes. Yeah. So I, you know, I really had to go inward and allow myself to play out all of the worst case scenarios of what could happen so that I was better able to, to hone in on what my fears were and then what I needed to, what actions I needed to take that were more focused and more strategic to help to set me up <laughs> in a way yeah. uh, on the chance, you know, that the world did go in the direction of my worst case. So it was kind of one of those feelings of, um, you know, plan for the worst, but hope for the best. Hope for the best. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So once I started to focus more on where I wanted my energy and attention to go to help to give me a sense of a deeper foundation mm. and deeper stability within myself, mm -hmm. uh, within my work, you know, because that was one of the things I do hands on healing work. And so that foundation of my business was, you know, overnight, just, um, just taken away. And so I've had to do this massive pivot of bringing my business online. And so really what it did was it, um, it gave me the impetus to bring my business into a whole different arena where I could actually impact more people yes. and, um, and help more people if I do it right and strategically. And so, 
it's been a massive birthing process for me. And what I've found is that because I've been in that process of birth, I've actually had to make moments of pause for myself. (laughs) I have to step away from the computer, go out into the yard or our greenhouse, dance, move my body. I've been taking a lot of walks, even just in my neighborhood. And, you know, thank goodness for my, my pup because he gets me out every day. But it, it was actually an exercise of, yeah. of making myself slow down be out of that awareness that I'm running a marathon here, not a sprint. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and that's been my experience. That's what it feels like. You know, we, you know, especially those of us who do this work are very, you know, used to and accustomed to kind of running just mm-hmm. running with it and um and not I, you know personally as well you know maybe I wasn't really used to taking that kind of pause and everything about what's happening at the moment is kind of saying you know you need to do this you need to do this mm-hmm. to regroup recenter and you know and, and this podcast was really born out of the pause as well mm-hmm. because I followed my own nudge and you know and what you're what you're talking about is you know your nudges about how mm-hmm. you step step into you know this new way of being what you're birthing you know what's pushing you what's giving you that inspiration and what did it feel like to you in the pause what did you notice well it felt scary it felt mm. really scary i noticed that there was something in myself that was just holding on so tightly to this idea that i had to hurry up and do something that time mm. was running out so there was there was something inside of me that was running the script of, okay, time has run out. You've procrastinated too long. We've taken too long and now, now we're here. Now the world is ending and you know, the foundation hasn't been laid. And so I, it was really uncomfortable to actually take time to stop all of the doing and just be with those, those scripts just be with those voices, those fears that were really, really running, that were actually paralyzing me Mm. from taking very grounded, aligned, and strategic action. Yes. And so what I noticed was that when I paused, you know, when I got to this place of just soul deep exhaustion where I couldn't focus on anything and had no choice but to curl up in my bed or, you know, go lay with my belly on the ground, um, what I noticed was that it actually cleared really quickly. And it was when I was avoiding those energies, when I was running around, when I was focusing outward, when I was holding big space for other people. Um, you know, I was caught in this kind of like chicken with my head cut off mode, yeah. but that was actually preventing me from, from really being clear on where I wanted to direct energy and focus. And so taking that pause as scary as it was, it actually cleared the way and it, it gave me clarity around what the questions were that I needed to ask to help to get the answers that would really give me direction. So the big question that I was asking is what is my truth service? Mm-hmm. How can I show up in a way that is supportive of other people and what society, what people and individuals and the earth really need mm-hmm. right now that I can bring through in a way that is truly in alignment with my gifts? Yes. So that was, was my question. It was what are my true gifts? And how can I bring them through in a way that is really, truly in service? And the answers didn't come right away. I had to, I had to put the question out there and then wait. And then you know, gradually, as I cultivated that patience and as I just kept doing you know, the daily things to continue to come back to myself and my spirit you know, and find what, what gives me joy and what gets me fired up, that's when the answers started coming through. And I love what you've just said, because I think it's really important to point out that, you know, the answers sometimes don't come immediately. Sometimes they don't come sort of, you know, like a fairy tale, just sort of dropping, you know, down in front of you. Sometimes the answers come out of deep discomfort and they come out of, you know, feeling 
you know, that, that sort of uncomfortable feeling that a lot of people, a lot of us try to avoid. We don't like being uncomfortable. And so, you know, I love that you're reflecting that, you know, reflecting that it was uncomfortable, you know, it was scary um, being in this space of the undoing, as I like to call it, and that the answers didn't come immediately, that, you know, you had to continue to do your daily practice, you know, um, you know, mm. commit to your daily practice and allow that to unfold, you know, in the stillness. And over time, you know, I, I believe that a lot of our, a lot of our society is really geared for immediacy. You know, we want immediate answers. Mm. We want to be able to type something into a search engine and get the answer immediately. And so when our own answers don't come as quickly we get frustrated and and then we just figure maybe if we work a little bit harder or if we do a little bit more or if we just keep going it'll all make sense um when i do believe that you know we have to just find that space to slow down and commit to being in that space of of you know being uncomfortable to allow it to unfold we're kind of undoing all of our conditioning as you mentioned and i love the, the i love that you've reflected that uh, in that way. Um, so, you know, so your work sounds deeply impactful and it sounds, you know, divinely guided. It's what we need in this moment. How did you come to this work? How did you, how did you come to sensual embodiment or tantra? How did you, how did you come to it? How did you find it? Yeah, well, I'm the embodiment of the wounded healer. You know, Mm. as so many of us are, we Mm. do tap into areas of holistic healing and medicine. Mm. So I came to Tantra from, well, I would say there were a couple of different lenses that really brought me in. One was that I, I have this very interesting relationship with spirit, where Mm. if I am on a path that is not in fullest alignment with me, it will literally close that path for me. (laughs) <laughs> so I've had a lot of experiences of getting fired from jobs, getting kicked out of institutions, <laughs> getting, um, you know, getting in trouble for stupid, stupid things that caused me to be expelled from programs. Or <laughs> this is it. just my path. And what's funny is that I, I, I'm not even a rule breaker. I'm just an edge pusher. <laughs> I love that. I'm not a rule breaker, just an edge pusher. Love it. <laughs> That's right. I like to see exactly how far over the line I can get. And as soon as I get too far over the line, then I get slapped right off the path and sent in another direction. Brilliant. And I'm just learning that this is my <laughs> my pattern. And part of it is my stubbornness. Part is my part of it is my willingness to actually be in the discomfort, mm. you know, to try and continue to heal it and find clarity and you know and it 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 takes a lot of energy so my angels have a way of coming in and being like all right girl we're done trying to (laughs) sow that soil go go find another farm (laughs) and and it's always an upgrade so that's that's kind of what happened it was almost like um Every path that I was trying as a teacher, as a yogi, as an administrative assistant, as a nanny, as a carriage driver, uh-huh. <laughs> and a you know manager of a horse barn, all of these paths kept getting closed for me. And I started to ask the question, why? Like, why? What is going on here that this pattern keeps showing up? that whatever it is that I devote my energy and attention to, I can only get so far with it before Mm. I'm kind of forced to start over again. It was this constant experience of death and rebirth and having to start over. And what I realized was that a part of my journey was so much about uh, trying to find the place where I belong. Trying to find the place where I would be accepted, where somebody would take me in, see my value, and um, you know, and pave the way for me to shine. And so I was constantly giving my power away. I was constantly wow. somebody else to create the space for me to shine. And instead of going in and really developing a profound sense of love for myself mm. and a, a true sense of connection around what my gifts were. 
And mm. so, you know, I started to ask that question again of, well, what are my gifts? What is it that I have to offer that is my my barterable skill. <laughs> we have a huge barter system. It's just part of the um, alternative, you know, community here of sharing medicine, sharing trade. And so I remember as I was tapping into this community and getting more involved, I asked that question, what is my barterable skill? And that's when I actually was undergoing my own healing journey around sexuality. Mm. So I had these um, orgasmic blockages and a sense of tremendous disconnect from my own roots, both my ancestral roots, my cultural roots, and my um, my physical roots. I was completely numb from pretty much my heart down, totally disconnected from my lower body. And when I did engage with sex, I experienced either a tremendous amount of numbness or pain. Mm. And this was something that, you know, it came as an awareness here and there, but I kept pushing it away. I kept ignoring it because there was this part of me that was afraid that I was broken. Mm. There's a part of me that really, really thought that I was unlovable because I couldn't experience sexual pleasure. And therefore, I just focused on other people's pleasure rather than my own. And that's what my sense of value was based off of. It was based off of my ability to give other people pleasure mm -hmm. at the total expense and denial of my own. And it was around that time as I was coming to the awareness that I, um, that I had these blockages that I needed to focus on. I read this book and it was called The Life You Were Born to Live. It was a numerology book and I remember looking at it and it's saying that um, for those of us with the life path that I have, we're very creative and we're very energetically sensitive and that we oftentimes experience um, sexual blockages because of how sensitive we are. And so looking at paths like Tantra Yoga uh, <laughs> would, could help with that, could help to bring us into balance. And I remember very distinctly sitting out on a friend's porch. I think we were drinking coffee one morning, and I told her about this one sentence in this book. Two weeks later, she tagged me on a Facebook ad that a woman named Denise Greenfield was moving from Atlanta to Asheville, that she was going to be opening up a Tantra temple, and that she needed an administrative assistant. So I applied for the job. I sat down to tea with her. Within two minutes, we both realized that we've spent multiple lifetimes and, you know, <laughs> multiple, um, you know, scenarios just doing this work together. There was an incredible soul recognition. And I realized that she was giving me the framework for everything that I'd been looking for, everything from where do I belong to what are my gifts and what is the pathway that's going to help me heal my own blockages. And so I started working for Denise and I apprenticed for her for three years as I was training uh, before I started to actually offer sessions as a practitioner. And then I, I opened up my own space. And this is history. Wow. Or herstory. Herstory, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there are so many nudges in there. I mean, so many nudges in there and beautiful, you know, from one thing to the next, even all the way back to all of the opportunities that were closed to you by, you know, by your team, your angel team saying, you know, mm -hmm. okay, you've had enough of that. Let's move on. And every moment led yeah. basically to this moment. And I think that's another thing to really um, you know, highlight that, you know, the path isn't necessarily linear to, to where mm. you're meant to end up. And it can feel, you know, uncomfortable or seem, you know, that, you know, things aren't happening or maybe they're going wrong. You know, somebody with a story, you know, could have said, well, I can't stick at anything or maybe, you know, I'm not good enough. But, you know, looking back and seeing that everything was, you know, divinely guided, I think is something to really focus on for listeners that, you know, no matter what is happening in your life, maybe that opportunity isn't for you. Maybe it is time for you to move on and, and you've just not taken that step yet. And maybe there is something else out there that is working in your favor and it's leading you 
to a space where, you know, you will find, as you said, you know, your people, your tribes, a, a sense of belonging or your path. And so to just, you know, I love that you kind of just had this sense of trust, it, it sounds like to me. Um, this sense of trust that, you know, no matter what was happening, that it was happening in your favor. And I think that's something to to really kind of highlight for people who are listening. Um, mm. that, um, just trust, just trust. And trust is a muscle. You know, trust mm. is something that has to get worked. And, you know, what I would say is that even beyond trust, I was never afraid to ask for help. I was never afraid to ask for guidance. And that's what I would say has been the the biggest thing on my journey is that I invest in my healing. Mm-hmm. I invest in my growth. And I, I invest um, financially. I invest with my time, with my energy, with my attention. And I take time to integrate what I learn from each situation and each teacher. And um, And I think that that's really what that's really the key in so many ways that and presence, you know, paying attention to the signs, paying attention to my intuition, saying yes to opportunities when they arise out of a sense of curiosity rather than expectation, curiosity to see where this is going to take me. Yeah. But I, you know, I wouldn't be, I don't know where I would be if it weren't for all of the um, magical beings that have taken me under their wing and, um, you know, imparted wisdom and helped to remind and reflect for me what, that who I am is of value. And so it's a both and, you know, there's a big piece of internal work and healing and trusting that needs to be done. And there's also that degree of being willing to ask for help and being willing to accept that help when it shows up in whatever form it shows up with the, you know, with the practice of discernment, a good degree of healthy discernment. Super, super important. I mean, how many of us out there, um, you know, are shy away from asking for help, right? You know, if you ask for help, what does that mean? What is the story that you tell yourself when you have to ask for help? Mm. And I think a lot of people don't want to be that vulnerable, but there's so much magic in in getting yourself into that space where you say, you know what, I, I can't do this on my own. And, you know, I am going to open up myself to receive the help and ask for help. And you said something else super important as well, time to integrate, time and space to integrate the lessons that you're learning as well. Um, you know, quite often we want to just, you know, bulldoze and, and go on to the next experience or the next opportunity without understanding what that learning was. And I think it's so important to invest exactly as you said, invest in your with your time, your money, your presence, um, and then allow yourself that time and space to understand what those lessons are and to integrate that as well. Um, and again, that's all in slowing down, right? That's all in the slowing down and you know kind of just sitting in the stillness to understand sort of what is this what am I learning what am I gaining and what can I what can I use to carry on in the next moment all beautiful beautiful Mm -hmm. points there um so you know we've talked about so much so much beautiful wisdom is flowing from this conversation if someone was listening and they wanted some actionable steps to maybe, you know, understand more about presence or coming home to their senses and how to, or how to center themselves in their body. What are some things that you could share with us today um, to help? Mm, Yeah. Well, I think that the first thing is to really figure out what self-care rituals bring Mm. us pleasure. Mm. and taking the time, really claiming the time. We have to claim and prioritize time and fight against the conditioning of our go-go-go society to actually cultivate those practices of self-care. So for me, I know that getting outside without shoes on (sighs) is a really important aspect of my self-care, letting my feet and all of the incredible nerve endings on the bottom of my feet actually connect directly with the earth and the soil. It makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that it helps to bring me right out of my head and bring my awareness and my attention right into that place where I'm connecting with the 
earth. And it's phenomenal. I mean, as I've started more practices of being outside without shoes on, I've experienced healing of back issues. I have experienced um, a tremendous just desire to, to be in my body more and to run and, you know, go on walks. It's like incredible just taking that first step to um, get off the computer, take off my shoes, go outside and just be with the earth. Yes. And, um, and so much intuition and wisdom mm. comes through in those moments. Mm. Um, another one for me when I take the time to do it is I have, you know, creams and herbal salves for every inch of my body, <laughs> from my scalp to the tips of my hair, to my underarms, to my breasts as I massage them, to, you know, formulas for my stretch marks and, um, you know, like probiotic cream for my yoni that has geranium and rose in it, mm. um, all the way down to like tea tree oil for my toes, you know. So if I really take the time to anoint every inch of my body with the salves that I have on hand to really um, – nurture my skin and my body from the outside in that I mean it's it's it becomes a ritual it could take me half an hour to 45 minutes just to put on my lotions and to massage you know different parts of my body especially the parts that are sore and that we might really want somebody else to to touch and massage for us so I would say that I succeed probably about three days a week in really doing that self-love practice. And, wow. and if I had my brothers, it would be every day. Um, wow. But one thing that I do do every day is I take a shower at least, you know, and mm. whether I'm washing my hair or not, I just let myself connect with the water. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that it's just, it's just washing me clean of anything that isn't serving me and I'll sing and I'll tone in the shower and just create that vibration in my body. So, you know, I think that one of the things about embodiment is that the simpler it is, the more accessible it is. Mm. So much of it is about just slowing down in the things that we generally do that we just rush through. So, you know, another example would be like washing the dishes. You know, am I taking time to appreciate the fact that it is as easy as lifting a lever <laughs> to have this incredible gift of water? And can I enjoy taking the chaos of a kitchen mess and turning it into order? Can I put some music on while I'm doing that and remember to keep my knees slightly bent and sway my hips as I do? Can I do a little twirl in the kitchen here and there and, you know, let my voice open and sing along with the music as I do? Um, so it's really, it's about finding that presence and that full commitment to whatever I'm doing in any moment rather than splitting my attention and my focus, you know. And it's funny because I really, this is grounded in for me because I was doing the opposite. I had this program. Now, I lived in a group house for a while um, where I would always end up washing other people's dishes. And I didn't mind washing dishes, but it drove me crazy that other people weren't doing their dishes. So I would be sitting there and I'd be doing all these dishes and I'd be thinking about how mad I was at them <laughs> and how I would have to have conversations with them. And I don't know, but somehow this almost became my association with doing dishes. That anytime I do dishes, I would, I would catch myself in a negative spiral mm. and so the practice that I cultivated was when I noticed myself in that spiral and so much of that noticing was coming from the sensations in my body the tightness in my chest the feeling of like um, hunching in and, and getting really sort of like um, in my head and feeling my energy getting sort of frantic about that I would really consciously relax my body give it all a little shake out I love to shake shaking is one of my um, my primary embodiment practices because it immediately gets the energy moving mm -hmm. back into my body. I would make a sound, a nonverbal sound, so something along the lines of like, to just get that frustration out. And then I'd start to sing. 
and find whatever wanted to come through, whatever was playing. Sometimes I just make up songs on the spot and it can be something like, I'm so annoyed that my housemates don't do their dishes. (laughs) I'm so lucky to have water and I'm grateful for this house. (laughs) I love it. And gratitude, you know, cultivating gratitude. I think that that is the primary remedy to um, to any feelings of negativity, you know. And so, flipping the switch in that sense. Amazing. I mean, steps for flipping the switch. Love that. You know, the first, you know, the first that you mentioned, you know, the self care rituals about spending time in nature. Right, spending time in nature is so important. Um, you know, that that's part of my daily practice as well. You know, I like you have it have it. I have two dogs, um, and so they get me out every day. But on the days when I can really get up to the forest and just sit, find a log and just sit, that changes my day that alters my day immeasurably mm-hmm. so just being able to sit, sit and spend time in nature I totally agree and I love your practices of anointing the body so you know maybe if you know listeners don't have 45 minutes even if they could take some time mm-hmm. you know just a few minutes a day if that's all they can spare and just spend that time you know, with a lovely oil or lotion and just, you know, placing that on the body wherever it feels like it might need it. I just love the idea of that and really taking your time and spending time. And I love that you even work all the way down to your toes as well, a different oil for your toes, just beautiful. And the water connecting with the water and using your voice as well and and transmuting that heavy energy when you're washing the dishes with your with your former flatmates transmuting that through the singing as Mm. well um some wonderful beautiful practices and i love that you reflected make it simple make it simple so that you know it's actionable you will keep this up if it's a simple habit you know you will keep it up don't make it too complicated and be mindful about it um give it your presence and your commitment absolutely beautiful wonderful um so now if people want to get in contact with you you know Mm. are you offering any courses or do you have any groups how would they find you that's a beautiful question thank you so much for asking that not a problem so my primary portal is templegaia.com and gaia is spelled g-a-i-a Mm. Gaia is the earth goddess in Greek mythology. And so Temple Gaia is a portal through which I offer everything from online courses like the Blood Mysteries Virtual Voyage, which is a nine-week seminar series about menstrual medicine and magic, particularly for those female bodies who um, I identify as womb bearers and who Mm -hmm. work with womb energy and want to understand more about the intricacies of the feminine cycle and how we can be really owning the magic that is inherent within that cycle. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the courses that I offer through templegaia.com. There's also a global sisterhood Facebook group that is associated with that. So if you go to Facebook, you can look for Blood Mysteries Global Sisterhood and um, and join that community. I also offer a free online community and resource center through Facebook called Lifting the Veils, where spirit meets body. And that group was actually inspired by the workshop that I did here <laughs> in England. That, Amazing. Um, that Kia came and was a part <laughs> of, and that's how we first met. So when we came together for that workshop and really delved into the foundations mm. of embodiment and sacred sexuality, I realized how powerful um, it was to create portals where people could just um, – really open source our own wisdom and activate one another, but also talk about the things that very often, you know, get sort of pushed under the rug and how important it is to have those safe containers to explore things like, um, like healing, like sexuality, like kink and embodiment and taboo and fantasy. And so um, lifting the veils where spirit meets body is a wonderful resource for anyone 
in anybody interested in delving into these realms a bit more. And all of this you can find through my Facebook page, which is um, at Temple Gaia Tantra. And you can also find me, Hannah Bora Baby, on Facebook. I have a lot of resources that I share through my personal page as well. And then my Instagram is at Temple Gaia Tantra as well. Amazing, amazing. And, and, you know, as I said in my intro, you know, um, I, I was absolutely blown away by Hannah and I still am blown away by her wisdom and her magic. And you know, I'm really blown away also by your capacity to hold, you know, and, mm. and to make people feel safe, as you said, um, with a subject that, you know, some would might consider taboo and maybe people don't talk about as openly as they should, but which is so necessary and so powerful. So Hannah, I thank you so, so much for joining me here today on The Nudge. Um, it's, been, it's been just pure magic. Thank you so, so much. Okay, it's so wonderful to get to experience more of your just incredibly nourishing presence. Oh. And I just feel so seen and, um, and so held by you as well. So I thank you for creating this space for us to connect. And I'm very excited for the day our bodies get to meet in real time again. I very much look forward to that. I very much look forward to that. Thank you, Hannah. Mm, thank you, Kia. And thank you to everyone listening in the future. <laughs> Wasn't she wonderful? I love Hannah's grace and deep honoring of life, even in its impermanence. Such a wonderful message about getting into stillness and waiting to find your answers. And also falling into deep reverence for your body. Can you imagine having a self-care routine that lasts for 45 minutes every morning? How would it change your day to begin it by giving yourself 30 or even 15 minutes of gentle attention with oils and motions. It sounds luxurious to me. My morning routine normally consists of something like meditation and qigong or yoga, but this sounds different and luxurious and I'd love to give myself permission to do this more often. So I'm going to implement this more often, lotions and oils in the morning in addition to my other practices. And I hope you feel inspired to do the same. So join me next week with another special guest as we continue to engage with that force always working on our behalf. If you're ready to follow your nudge, but you're feeling a bit stuck, go to my website, www.kiaailen.com or on Instagram, Kia Eileen under Soul Clarity or my Facebook page at Kia Eileen. This podcast can be found on Spotify and iTunes, so please subscribe and remember to follow The Nudge because you never know where it may lead.